So glad you're here with us today. Thank you for coming. And uh, again, I want to reiterate that next week we start our summer schedule. So don't, uh, we don't want to put you in a bad way and get you here at the wrong time. Uh, so 10 o'clock throughout the whole summer until we get past Labor Day. Unless you all show up. We don't want to encourage you to be gone during the summer. That's the dangerous thing of having a summer schedule. It's kind of like we're capitulating to you guys and you're saying, oh good, we'll just uh, we'll go up north the whole summer and we won't come home on Sundays. We would encourage you to be here. Jeff Moore, one of our elders, he does Sunshine Park. He's always wearing the orange shirt. He does have another color in his repertoire, but on Sundays you see him wearing his orange shirt. Jeff would love it. He prays this way all the time. Lord, don't let us go to one service. Help us to stay in two services. And so if we get to the point that we can't fit well in here, we will just stick with the two services. But you'll need to prove that to us. That's kind of a challenge we'll make for you. And here's why. You guys need to sow that. Everybody say sow that. See, during the whole summer months, three months, Jeff, who teaches in Sunshine Park, never comes to church. As a pastor, I got to write him letters saying, we miss you at church, come back. But he's teaching downstairs. He can never come to a morning service. And that's not good. That's why we love having two services. The one is uh, come and, and sit and soak. The other one is serve. And so uh, for all of you, that's an option. So we'll do what the Lord shows us is right. If we're too full, that would be a great problem. Amen? But right now we have room to grow, and uh, we're encouraged uh, by that too. All right. So many great things. We watched a video about the Serve on, no, Serve Our Savior. We changed the name. It's no longer Serve on Saturday. Good reason, because we had to do it Wednesday this week. So it was a Saul, Serve on Wednesday. So we changed the name to Serve Our Savior, so we don't have a problem. We can serve the Lord seven days a week now. How about that? So Serve Our Savior, we started last Saturday at House of Providence. What a great crew. Planted, I don't know, 1,500 plants. I don't know how many. There was a lot of plants. There there was a whole bunch of plants that we planted all over House of Providence. And then uh, because the mulch wasn't delivered on time, I sent out a message. And, you know, midweek, what kind of church is going to show up midweek in less than 24 hours notice? This church does. Uh, Oakwood had a lot of people, plenty of people out there on Wednesday night. And we spread mulch here and there and everywhere. And it's great. I know that Jay and Maggie Dunn, if they were here today, they would just say thank you, thank you, thank you to Oakwood. And then yesterday... I came and snuck in because somebody had to get the lights and the sound kind of ready for the women's fashion show. So I was the only male dude here. Man, guys, I'm telling you, we got to ramp it up. These ladies, not, not only do they eat really good, there was some really good food. I'm not, you know, I might have snuck in and had a sandwich myself and a little bit of cheesecake. But not only do they eat well, they had a fashion show here, which was incredible. I mean, we had Prada stuff. I don't know the other names of the things, but there was some really cool stuff going on here. They had a great time and good job, Women's Ministry, for our spring event for them. Guys, don't forget, there is a grill and chill at the Jackson home June 1st. It's a Thursday night, 6.30, so that you can get home from work work and then come eat hamburgers, hot dogs, and chill with the guys of Oakwood. We encourage all men to come. Ladies, if your husband's shy and doesn't get into those things, this is the good time for the elbow placement right on the third rib. Just kapowie uh, and say, come, get there. Uh, it's just a good night. Just, just no pressure on just meeting people and eating. So uh, we encourage you to do that. 
All right, let's get into it. Are you ready to pray us in this morning? We're going to be in Romans 13, starting in verse 8. You can meet me there, but let's pray this morning as we get ready to open God's Word. Say this prayer. Don't have to say it out loud, but just give this prayer to God. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. And God, I pray that you would be glorified. I pray that everyone hearing this would be edified. And I pray that Satan would be horrified. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. What would you do? What would you do if you knew your time was limited? I don't want to start morbid, but let's say you only had a little bit of time left to live. What would you fill your time with? What you filled your time with would say a lot about you and where your priorities are. Maybe you'd travel to places you've always wanted to go. Maybe you would uh, do something that you always said you would do. But you all know that we would act differently if we knew our time was short. If our time was short, we just know we would live more purposefully. In this section in Romans today, Paul kind of gives us something new to think about, and he starts adding a time crunch to the urgency of living sacrifices. He wants us to know that we have a limited amount of time to make a difference here in this world. So backtracking, we, we got to Romans 12. Before Romans 12, we knew that all have sinned. Jesus is the only answer. You must receive him by faith. It's through grace, not race. Remember, we've gone a long way through Romans. And then we finally get to Romans 12 where he says, now therefore, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. That's what we're told to do as believers. We lay down our own desires and our own things that we prioritize and we live for Christ. That's our priority. That's our new arranged priority. Then he, he tells us about spiritual gifts. You've been gifted to serve in the church. Come on, people, serve your giftedness in the local body. That's why not everybody's an eye, not everybody's a hand. We are a mix of gifts. When we come together, we've got them all. That's what I get excited about as a pastor. I know with confidence Oakwood has everything it needs because God takes care of that. And then we found out some practical ways of living out being a living sacrifice, right? That was all of Romans 12. Remember, uh, hard stuff, then impossible stuff that we needed a miracle to do. We needed the Holy Spirit to help us live out this stuff. It's so hard. And then we talked about the government. (gasps) That's hard, right? Honoring, respecting. And that leads us to chapter 13. Let me read it for you. Just We were in 1 through 7 last week. Let me read 8 through 14. We'll make some comments on it and send you home. Romans 13, 8 through 14. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this, 
understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing or in drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. May God add a blessing to the reading of Scripture. Some of your translations might have said in that last verse, make no provision for the flesh. That is the best translation is don't gratify the desires of the flesh, but don't make provisions. And that really means making preparations for something or someone. If you have somebody coming and visit and, and you want to be prepared for them. My wife does this to me all the time. She's like, so-and-so's coming. Your daughter's coming. We got to have the room ready. We got to go take all the sheets off the bed. And then we got to wash them. And then we got to put them all back on. I hate that job. I just I hate that. I love the, ta- I can do the taking off part. I can rip sheets off the bed and the pillowcases out. I can do all that. Man, when they go through the washing and come back, I'm like, oh, do I gotta? Because it takes two of us. And, and man, I just, I just like to pull the bed out to the middle of the room so we can get around it. You know, the, the bed's down there for the girls. They're, they're against the wall. You just can't get a fitted sheet on the, you know what? Somebody with me this morning say, PD, I've been there. Oh, cast out those demons of the, the sheets. I mean, it's awful. I hate that job. But we do it. Sometimes as they're in the driveway, we're, we're running downstairs and we're getting that because we make preparations, preparations. And that's what Paul is getting at at the end of this whole thing. He's saying, don't make preparations. Don't make any provision for the flesh. It's placing oneself in situations that lead to sinful living, not living sacrifices. Probably ought to say that again. It's placing oneself in situations that lead to sinfulness, not living sacrifices. You've heard the old story. Preachers like to tell the story of uh, the pastor was in his office and the, and the guy comes in. He's struggling with alcoholism. He's been struggling. He's been struggling. And he tells the pastor, he said, man, I try so hard to avoid it. But every time I drive past the bar, I've just drawn in. And I, and I think I'll just go in and say hi to my friends. And so every time I drive by, on my way home from work, it's just I'm coming home from work and I drive by and I see the cars of my friends. So I pull in and I think I'm just, and next thing you know, I wake up with a hangover and it happened again. So the pastor starts finding out some more details and he started, and the best question he asked him is, where do you work and where's the bar? Come to find out the guy's taking a two mile detour to go past the bar. On his way home from work, he didn't need to go that way. But he was making preparations. And you can say it with all your might, I didn't mean for that to happen, but you did. You did. You made preparations. You made a way. You made provision for the flesh. And so what Paul is saying at the end of this passage, and we're going to circle around and do the whole thing, but at the end of this passage, Paul is saying, Don't live like that, living sacrifices. Don't live like that. That's living in darkness. We're children of the light. And you're going to see a lot of that wonderful contrast today. But the whole thing is this. Here's the big idea. Love, law, and last days. 
Love, law, and the last days. What's our definition of love? I'm going to keep hammering this. I'm going to keep hammering this, keep hammering this until you all know it so much that you're sick of it. We're going to know this definition of love. My wife was writing a card to her mother on Mother's Day. And she's like, hey, what's that definition of love again? And, and I was telling her, and she's writing it in her card. I'm like, man, this is great. We've got to use this definition of love. Love is. Matter of fact, I'll say it, and then you repeat after me. Ready? Love is. The selfless willing sacrifice for the good of another person even when they don't deserve it and not expecting anything in return. We got to learn this definition. Keep it going. We got to keep memorizing it. Why? Because this definition is Jesus. This is Jesus' life. He was selfless, willing sacrifice. Amen. Are you thankful for Jesus today? For the good of another person. Remember the Bible says he didn't think equality with God something to be held on to. Instead, he made himself one of us. Wow. For the good of another person. Even when they don't deserve it. The Bible says even while you were in your sins, Christ died for you. He didn't deserve it. Oh, don't ever. Please, Christian, don't ever think that you were the one that Jesus is like, well, I got to save that person. They're great. I had the opportunity to give the gospel on Friday night at a local church to 122, I think Kevin Bolte told me, 122 middle schoolers. If there's ever a group that needed Jesus, it's middle school students. And I'm, they're squirrely and they're crazy. They're ready to have an all night thing. And then this, you know, fluffy, balding old guy shows up and I'm supposed to talk to him, right? And so they're like, who's this guy? And so I want to give them the most important message they ever heard. I want to tell them about the gospel. And I loved it. I'm telling you, I, I wrote a little Facebook post. I said, what does a, a 50-something-year-old pastor do for fun on a Friday night? I go speak to middle school students. I love it. There's nothing better than to share in the gospel. 122 eyes watching and listening, these ears ready to hear. And praise the Lord, about a dozen of them raised their hand on, on Friday night after hearing the message. Who needs this? About a dozen of them said, I need that. And they stayed in the room while people met with them and talked with them and prayed with them. Man, God is good. And Paul is teaching us here that the Christian, that our time is limited. And he challenges us to live for God. I can't read my own writing. The challenge is not to indulge self, but to live sacrificially, serving others seeking their good that's what this whole thing has to do with love law and last days how are we living are we living out this definition of love in this world we know that the greatest command is to love god and love people we know that from scripture what is the greatest command of all the commands 686 or something they had rules and and jesus was asked what's the greatest and he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind body and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. The second's like the first. Why? Because if you're doing the first, the second ought to something just flows from you. When you love God with everything you've got, you're going to find yourself loving people because that's who God is. That's the definition of love. God is love. His children will love others. 
So loving God and loving others is to be the outgrowth of salvation and sound doctrine. So what do we have here in this passage? Strive for love, but never consider the debt paid. Let's look at how Paul says it. Let no debt remain outstanding. And some people use this as a financial verse. Somebody's like, you should never have debt. And that's, I love Dave Ramsey. I love all these people. They're good at money. And you got to pay attention to that thing. We as Christians ought to take money serious. The Bible talks about money a lot, actually, about how you handle your money. But this is not a verse talking about finances. It is just not. I'm sorry. Uh, God bless the financial people. This should not be your verse. Because he's not making a point about financial debt. He's saying, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. And that debt is never going to be filled. That's his point. His point is, love your neighbor. And you can't, at the end of the day, say, I did it. I love my neighbor. Let's do something else now. No? No? Love your neighbor. Wake up tomorrow. Love your neighbor again. Wake up tomorrow. Love your neighbor again. Why? Man, I, I filled that debt. I fulfilled that debt. No, you never did fulfill that debt. It's always outstanding. <laughs> that debt is there the next day to love other people. It never goes away. And that's what Paul's trying to say. This is a debt you cannot repay in full. Just keep paying it. Have you ever had to pay down a debt? You're thinking financial again. Don't think financial. You see, I was a church brat. I grew up in the church. You've heard most of my story. But I was a, a real church brat. I mean, I was living two lifestyles. I was a, a drugging, drinking maniac in, in school and made a mess out of my life. But I had people that poured into my heart and my life. My youth pastor, Pastor Glenn Amos, best youth pastor in the world. And he never quit on me. You've heard me tell the stories that he made a deal with me that we would meet every Wednesday night before youth group and he would have to learn verses and I would have to learn verses. Whoever couldn't say their verses had to buy breakfast on Saturday. And so, man, I, I, I was learning, I don't know, John three sixteen, John eleven thirty two. 32, you know, Jesus wept. I was learning the, the easy verses. He had a goal of learning Psalm, what is it? Uh, what's the longest Psalm in the Bible? 115? What is it? 119, Psalm 119. He's like, Don, I'm going to learn Psalm 119. And if you come and say a verse, that's fine. I cracked up, man. Here I am, this drug and drinking high school kid, you know, living two lifestyles. I meet with my youth pastor, and he could never say his verses. He would always mess up. And I would be like, ah, you got to buy me breakfast on Saturday. He's like, ah, oh, nuts. And we'd meet for breakfast on Saturdays. What a good man. He probably could quote Psalm 119 backwards and forwards, but when he met with me on Wednesdays, he couldn't say it. That's a youth pastor who's thinking, I need this kid, man. I need to, I need to meet with him on Wednesdays, and I'll meet with him on Saturdays, and I'll get him here on Sundays, and I'll do everything I can. He never quit on me. I told you about Cindy Allison, one of my favorite ladies. She was a tough nut. We had a pretty conservative church, but we had some wild people there, and Cindy was one of those wild people. She drove our bus to all of our events, uh, sporting events, so soccer, basketball, and, and she caught me one day. I think it was my junior year. I, I, I got off the bus, but I forgot something, so I went back in the bus, and so all my team was gone. I was the only one left, and when I went to get off the bus the second time, she was blocking the door. 
She was not going to let me by. She stopped me and just kind of grabbed me by the shirt. And she said, now, you listen to me, Donnie Jackson. Cindy and my mama called me Donnie. Don't you do that. You listen to me, Donnie Jackson. I know what you're doing. I know you're drugging and drinking. You think nobody knows, but I know what you're up to. Then she started to cry. And she told me that she knew if God would get a hold of me, he would use me. And I could make a huge impact in this world. She she knew it. She was telling me. While I'm still living a, a weird lifestyle, totally contrary to that, Cindy believed. So when I went off to college... And I was standing in line to register for my classes my sophomore year. I was having that moment of like, what am I going to do? What am I going to take? What am I going to... And God was pulling and pulling and pulling. And I knew God was encouraging me to take youth ministry classes. And I remember having a conversation before I registered for those classes. I said, God, I made a mess out of my life. And I've been living for me. I know you saved me, but I've been living for Don Jackson. And I remember telling him, if you'll take me, if you'll take me, I will. I'll give you my life. That was a simple prayer, and I went and registered for youth ministry classes. And I looked at it for those years that I was paying down the debt. Not for Jesus, because you can never pay down that debt. But I owed Pastor Glenn Amos. And I owed Cindy Allison. And I must have owed him a lot, because I was a youth pastor for 25 years in one church. And then we get older and move on to boring jobs like lead pastor. But I still love, I still love Friday nights paying down my debt. I think of them when I'm driving to speak. Clint Amos and Cindy Allison. I don't think I'm ever going to pay down that debt, to be honest. I thought I would have by now, but I don't think that will ever end. I think I'm always going to remember people who poured into my life and I want to give back and make a difference. It's like that that Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Then whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. Here's how I think this passage break. And by the way, Paul is brilliant. If you read this over and over again, you start seeing the wonderful logic and how he puts this all together. Number one, love, which we did the definition, remember? Remember love? Love fulfills every command of God. That's what Paul is saying in this first part when he says, let that debt of love, let it continue because you're never going to pay it off. And then he starts saying the law. Love fulfills the law. Then he says, you know the commands. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't covet. Let me challenge you. Think about those four examples he gave. And then he did add, and the others. I love how he adds that. And, and the other ones. You, you know, he didn't even state the others. But by doing that, he points out four. He points out adultery. Sleeping with somebody else's wife or sleeping with somebody else's husband. Murder. Stealing from somebody. Coveting. Let me challenge you this morning. Think of a context where you can do any one of those four things and still love somebody. Uh, let's look at the definition again. Selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even when they don't deserve it, not expecting anything in return. Can you sleep with somebody else's spouse and love them? No. Can you kill somebody? I love you so much. 
You're going to die for it. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't do that. You can, can you steal from somebody and love them? Not, not according to the definition. No. Coveting, maybe. You're thinking, maybe I can covet and still love. No. No, you can't. Because if you're coveting something that your neighbor has, maybe it's an old antique and you've wanted it, and you realize he's sickened in the hospital, and you're thinking, Lord, if he dies, I'll wait and go to that estate sale. I'll get that cheap. Paul would say, no, go to the hospital and pray for your neighbor. Pray that God will heal him. Pray that God will raise him up. Take meals over to him until they're well. <laughs> See, that's, love is always going to be different than a self, selfish desire. Amen? It's going to be different. You cannot do it. You cannot fulfill the law without love. Love will keep you from breaking the law, God's laws. That's why Paul says, love fulfills every command of God. So number one, I must pay my obligation to my neighbor. Or by the way, the question should be answered, who's my neighbor? Remember that question? Who's my neighbor? Anybody you run into? Hey, everybody. Everybody's your neighbor, right? Jesus was asked that question, and he never really answered the question, but he basically said, look around. You'll find them. That's your neighbor. So I must pay my obligation to my neighbor, my actual neighbor, my employer, my uh, grocery store, my workout place, (laughs) everywhere that I go, everyone I run into, I must pay my obligation to love my neighbor. I must treat my neighbor as myself. Isn't that interesting? Love your neighbor as yourself, Paul quotes. We love ourselves, don't we? Don't we love ourselves? Don't we do the very best we can for ourselves? It's so easy to work for ourselves. Like our, our needs, our desires, our wants, we, we fulfill those, right? I mean, I'm really bad at self-denial. Some of y'all are great at Lent. Praise the Lord for Lent, where you give up something. That's a good practice. You know what I, you know what I give up for Lent every year? Self-denial. I just give it up. I just, I live like I do all year round. Why? Because self-denial's hard. Self-denial's not fun. Had a kid at my house, was a friend of my son's, sitting at my table, and it was during Lent, and we had pizza, and then we busted out the ice cream. He's like, no, thank you. I'm giving up ice cream for Lent. I'm like, you jerk. <laughs> Making me look bad. I'm eating my rocky road, and you're all spiritual. Yeah, But no, good on him. A teenage boy who said, no, no, I've decided I'm giving something up for God. Wow. We're not good at self-denial. Maybe you are. Praise the Lord for you if you're good at it. But it's a struggle because we love ourselves. <laughs> and, and in here, Paul pointed out, love your neighbor as, well, let's think of somebody, as you. <laughs> like you love you, love your neighbor. I must treat my neighbor as myself. And I must do no wrong. I mean, that's at the bottom line. And again, you cannot do wrong to somebody and still love them. And that's what Paul is making the point of here. Love. Love has to be the greatest calling for the believer. And so you can't do any wrong. If you've done wrong, you're not loving your neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. If you ever wanted to know, how do I live this Christian life? And you're overwhelmed by all the possibilities of things you might need to. Don't worry about it. Don't sweat it. Just remember, every time you have a choice to make, love. (laughs) If you're in question whether you should do something for somebody, 
Yeah, probably should. Love. Love is the answer for all of our questions of how to live this Christian life. Should I go indulge my own self in some kind of an action that would be harmful? No, that's not even loving to yourself. So love is always the answer. Number two, Paul talks about love, the motivation and the means. So he gives us a little motivation, and that's important. The motivation is time. I must understand the times, and the times are fading. And this is where Paul becomes genius in the way he talks. Time is running out. I know you're saying, well, he wrote that a long time ago. Well, each of us only have so many ticks on the clock. We only do. I mean, we're going to pass some day at some age. We have a limited time. Plus, we also know the time is ticking when Jesus is going to come back. We never know when that's going to be. But the time is nearer now than it was when Paul wrote this, right? Amen? You're like, I don't know about that. Yeah, it is. Because he wrote it a long time ago. We're closer now than we've ever been before. So the time is fading. Our opportunity is fading to love. So there's urgency urgency in the hour to love others there's also an unveiling of the day paul talks about the time is coming the time is short and this is what i love what he does he starts talking about a day there's daytime and then there's darkness and you know in scripture darkness is compared to the deeds of evil and day light is always compared to the acts of of loving christ-likeness So he uses this whole idea of understanding the times to encourage us. I'm urged to live right. That's what Paul is saying. Time is running short. And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Oh, I love that. Paul here deals with spiritual lethargy. Lethargy, I don't know how you want to say it. Spiritual laziness. (laughs) Wake up! I know we live in a woke generation, but they're woke for all the wrong reasons. Paul was the first one to tell people to be woke, and he's telling Christians to be woke. Not this world's woke, but wake up, Christian! You're oversleeping! Wake up! Anybody here oversleep? Missed an alarm? Anybody? Not, not many, a couple people would admit it. How many of you are just the opposite? Like if you've got a flight to catch the next day, how many of you set an alarm and then you check it like 10 times? Yeah, yeah I do that all the time. I'm like, did I do that? I mean, what if I closed it and I accidentally, I better open it again. Okay, it's good. I should, no, wait, I better check one more time. I, I don't want to miss that. You know, set it on another alarm. Hey, Siri, set an alarm. Hey, we got alarms going to go off everywhere, right? We don't want to miss it, and then we don't sleep a wink. I sleep with one eye open the whole time watching the clock because we're afraid to be caught oversleeping. And Paul here is saying, Christian, wake up. You've been oversleeping. You've been slumbering in ease, and the time is short to love people. That's the one thing we're to do is love people. So come on. This is a, a great shot by the apostle telling us it is time to wake up, stop sleeping, stop being lazy. Let's go. It's daytime. Let's get out there and love people. That's what Paul is saying. 
Our salvation transformed us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. But our salvation also has a future dimension. It's an amazing thing, your salvation. You get saved in a moment. God declares you righteous and pure. If you ask God to forgive you of your sin, come into your life as Savior, you are saved right then and there. But there's also a future aspect. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. So we're in this in-between time. Saved, but waiting. And Paul now is saying, don't sleep through it. Come on, believers, set your alarm. Get up, let's get going. There's some love to be done. Selfless, willing, sacrifice for the good of another person. Even when they don't deserve it, not expecting anything in return. Every day, do it again tomorrow. Why? Because you owe a debt. Oh, but I did it yesterday. Good, get up and do it again. The debt came back. You owe it, you owe it, you owe it, you owe it. Love. That's why we go to hop, plant flowers and shrubs and hope they grow, spread mulch all over the place. Do they need it? I don't know if they need it, but sure was nice to give it. It was nice to do that. Julie's telling me there's a court, is there a court or something at Oxford schools? And her boss was complaining that nobody takes care of it. Nobody does, it's kind of a, nobody goes there because the court's kind of ugly. And, and Julia's like, well, what would it take? And she's like, well, I got dreams. I got plans. We can put some stone here and a bench here and we could put some plants. And, and you know what? Julie's telling me this. I said, you go back and tell her, Oakwood's got it. Amen? Anybody with me? SOS, we're going to go out to Oxford High School and we're going to mess around in their court and we're going to make it nice. We're going to want teachers and students to be able to sit out there. Why? Because we owe a debt of love. You're like, when do we owe a debt of love? I thought we paid that debt. Remember we did all that stuff? for the, Yeah, we did that stuff for them then. Then's gone. Today's here. <laughs> Amen? We're never going to pay it in full. We, we're always going to love. Your neighbor needs the same kind of love. The people around you need that same kind of everyday, renewed, let's do it again, love. Why? I'm, I'm urged to live right, Paul said. Display Jesus. And then he does this cool thing. He says, put off the deeds of darkness. He's already been talking about time. And then we're in the light. We're in the kingdom of light, right? And so he's talking about daytime, nighttime. And now he's like, okay, put off those deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. That was nice. We know that as Christians, it's never enough to just rid yourself of something. Because the Bible says if you rid yourself of something, there's an empty space. And boy, demons will love to rush in and take that empty space. Don't just void something. Fill it with good, right? Get rid of darkness. Enter more light. That's what Paul is trying to say here. And then he does a beautiful thing where he does a turnaround and he reminds us to live properly. How? Living sacrifices. And then he does an opposite thing. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. In order to put him on, something's got to come off, right? So we put off the deeds of the flesh. Just read it today. Just bask in the beauty of the logic that Paul wrote. He started by saying, take off the deeds of darkness. Put on the armor of light. Put on the Lord Jesus. Take off the deeds of the flesh. It's beautiful. It's just so symmetrical. People with OCD, I like Paul. Man, I just, ooh, that's so cool. I love how he wrote that. We are being taught here to live a different way. We have been oversleeping. We need to put off dark, put on light, 
put on Jesus, put off flesh. It all leads us to the conclusion. If we are to live in love, we must be motivated by our love for God and our gratitude for His grace. We must do so out of obligation toward others and with urgency knowing that the time is fading. I'm going to ask the band to come and we're going to sing us out today about His love. We sang the song earlier, His love ran red. Let me pray as we get ready to sing and you'll join us in just a second. Father God, we come to You now in the name of Jesus and we thank You for Paul's teaching. And God, today I'm reminded to wake up. I need to be awake, which means I need to be uh, looking, watching, and seeing things to be able to love people, everybody, the waitress at lunch, the person at the red light, whatever it may be. God, I just pray that You would help us to live looking. Help us to wake up and not sleep through our lives. Help us to remember the time is short, And we can fill it with how Jesus did. Deeds of love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.